This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio program. Special guest and friend, Apostle Don Beasley, Pastor Beasley, Pastors, the Turning Point City Church in Dixon, Illinois. Uh, Don, welcome back. Morning, Doctor. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. You know, there's a wealth of information we could talk about, subjects. It just shows you the seasons we're in right now, just craziness. And I want to talk about, if we want to have a general title, Understanding the Times of Change with a Strategy for Victory. You know, Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So, time was created by God for a purpose. When that purpose is accomplished in that particular season, we must adjust ourselves and change with a new season. I believe the definition of insanity is continuing to live in a season that is already past. It is like a farmer planting seeds in the fall instead of spring. The time for planting seed is long past, and it will die in the winter, and there can be no harvest as the season is past. Now, Psalm 31, 14 through 15 reads, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. So I believe God declares that change is inevitable. He has arranged a season and purpose for all things. To keep the key to any change, any crisis, is to trust in the Lord. No matter what the crisis is, God is still on the throne, and no weapon formed against us will conquer what God ordains for us to accomplish for him as long as long as we continue to trust in him. In other words, rely on him for our direction and for our victories. Don, comments? Yes, amen. I I believe that's true. I mean, uh, you can take a pretty quick tour through the Bible in the Old Testament and see that change comes, you know. What's interesting is is whether change goes forward or backwards, in my mind. Yes. When you walk in obedience to God, you experience the changes of multiplied blessings. The Bible says, you know, blesses a nation whose God is the Lord. But it said that sin is a reproach to any nation. So when you turn against God, so like in the Old Testament, it'd say, and then this king came along and he did worse than his father and did, you know, things beyond this. And then the next thing you know, they would be 
they would begin to experience the judgment of God. Their harvests wouldn't grow or somebody would come in and take away from them or they'd go into captivity. And so I think that change is inevitable. And what we have to understand is the path to victory or the strategy to victory is always, if you're walking with God, is to walk with him closer. And if you have turned away from God, is to repent and return to him. Totally. You know, Genesis eighteen fourteen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. According to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Again, getting back into truly trusting in the Lord, letting him lead us for our direction and our victories. You get into the fullness of time, Galatians 4, 4. For when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So there is a time of reaping if one has been wise with the time God gave. There's a time of reaping if we don't lose heart. Done? Amen. You know, the age-old lie from the book of Genesis is you can be your own God, do whatever you want to do, and cast God aside. And, you know, all through the Bible, it says, let us lay aside the chain that God has put on us, like God is, you know, trying to harm us or whatever from the enemy. And so, you know, life is about sowing and reaping. That's the biblical law all the way through from finances to holiness to health, whatever. Everything is based on, you know, you reap what you sow. And God promises to bless obedience with multiplied blessing as we move along. And so we're in this deal here, you know, right now where in America we are living on the, our founding forefathers sowed incredible seed to bring us about what we have. And we're living on the dregs of the seed they sowed because the Bible says that the blessings of the father goes to the thousand generations, but he visits the sin of the fathers upon the second and third generations. And so the interesting thing I think where we are today is we're we're making these idiotic decisions to cast off what we call the restraints of God, which are really his blessings that keep us from our own harm. And we're going headlong into just let's just thumb our nose at God and shake our fist at him and let's do whatever we want to do regardless of what he says about it. And then we stand up and say, God bless America. And my question is always, what blessing are you talking about? You think that you can murder children, commit, you know, divorce, fornication, homosexuality, and then gender identity issues, and then sex change operations. And you can do this in the full daylight and then stand and say, God bless America it causes me to just shudder where I am because of the ignorance of people. They don't realize that they're sowing seeds of destruction and then they're lulling themselves to sleep singing a song of blessing. That happens throughout the Bible. What we really should be doing is singing the dirge right now. Oh God, what have we done? And turning ourselves away. I think that in the midst of all this going on, there's going to come a Mount Carmel moment in the very, very near future where God's going to raise up a people and there's going to be a real battle royale spiritually where God is 
going to reveal himself and who he is to people because that's just what he does when people are so lost or whatever. And so, you know, back whenever the election happened and I was on a prayer call in 2020 and they asked me to say something and I just, the Lord really just came over me and I just said, you know, I believe that we're in this Haman moment right now. And I think the gallows have been built. They've come to the place where I think they can do away with God and his Christ and Christianity and establish their own whatever they want or whatever. And they're pretty proud right now. And even after this Supreme Court decision, man, they've really bristled. And we're going to go to Congress and we're going to write this into the law or whatever. We're going to upend the institution of Congress because we don't like the outcome of what happened. And that prayer that they, the Lord just said to me, he said, I already have Mordecai and Esther in place. And that blew my mind. And he, what the Lord just said to me prophetically was, is we need to pray for them to have the courage and the wisdom to spring that trap at just the right moment. Amen. So I'm still looking for that day to happen in this. There's going to be just this massive standoff. And I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think God's going to reveal himself, and the fear of God is going to return to a greater portion of not just the United States, but the world. And they're going to realize how much they've been lied to and walled to sleep and whatever. And it'll be a wake-up moment. But that wake-up moment will be a short period of time before the wrath of God begins to come on the world because of their arrogance against him. Well, you know, the um, Hebrews had to move in the seasons of God from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You get into Abraham, God told him to move. He had to trust in him, not knowing where he was going, leaving family and friends and country. But he was moving into the season, the next season of his life. Now, if he did not move, he would have been continually destroyed where his family was, worshiping idols. But he moved into the next season of his life. Now, we could go deep into that. Isaac had to do the same thing. Jacob. They led him into areas of prosperity, into areas of preservation with food. Under Jacob, you know, they moved into Egypt where they became slaves for 400 years. Again, that was a season. What were they doing in that season? Well, they were surviving, they were multiplying, but they were also in a, a much of a backslidden state. But they had to finally learn through that season to call out to God to repent. God brought a deliverer, and they moved into another season of miracles and victory. So we need to understand the seasons of God. What is God saying in this season? It took them 400 years finally to get their lives right, look to God, call for repentance to move into victory. Now let's look at Second. Corinthians 6, 1 through 2, the acceptable time. We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says in the acceptable time, I have heard you. In the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We need to move into the acceptable time of God. Done? Yep, I think the seeds have been sown for years and years and years, you know, by people, faithful people praying and preaching and teaching when it wasn't popular and against, you know, like uh, I've been working on some messages and, you know, we talk about 
that we have these rhino Republicans, you know, Republican in name only. And I think we got crinos, Christians in name only. That's right. But they cry, no, 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 cry, cry, no, 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 don't do that, don't, you know, this, that, whatever. And so I think where we are right now in this time and this season is is that there, God always has a faithful remnant of people in every season. Thank God. And he does amazing things through the remnants of people. And so sometimes it's difficult to help people understand that when you say that we are part of a remnant people, because God's a generational God, you know, he's always doing things. So what he's going to do right now through, like, your life or my life or whatever is from generations from beyond, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like you say, in one portion of that, they're in 400 years of captivity before the next level comes. And so but there can be these long, dry seasons where it seems like nothing's happening, but that's never true with God. God is always on the move. He's always moving his strategies forward. And so when we talk about strategies for victory is, you know, we have to lock on to and understand the prayers of the past saints and the prophecies that they prophesied in times coming. In the Bible, you know, when you look at all these times, nobody really even thinks about, you know, when, like when Christ comes, they started claiming some of the prophecies. But, you know, people had been claiming those prophecies all the way from the time they are given all the way through generationally till they actually happened. And so they grew strength through that time. And so sometimes I think what we have to be careful of, that we get surrounded by this darkness all around us, that we begin to have an attitude that says, you know, we're small, we're of no value, we're of no use, whatever. And nothing could ever be further from the truth. God doesn't need a majority. He's a majority by himself. That's how we think is in this majority way. The more of them there are, the more power or strength they have. But the reality is, and he realizes that if we stand with God all by ourselves in his blessing or whatever, in these battles and trials and whatever, victory becomes ours because God will reveal himself that they do not stand by themselves, they stand with me. And so I've been trying to teach our people, we need to stop praying for God to be on our side, which is a misnomer. God's not on anybody's side. God has a side. He is the side. And we need to pray that we can get on God's side and stop praying for him to move on our side. No group of people have a side. God is his own side. And that's it totally. We have to rely on him and follow him. Just like the cloud and the pillar of fire, we have to follow him or we will die in the wilderness. Now, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, see then that you walk circumvently, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, note, one cannot create more time. Time is limited, and one will lose their acceptable time to accomplish what God has assigned you if one is not wise with their time. Time will either work for you or against you, depending on how wise you are with the time you possess. God uses time to execute his purposes on earth. Time and seasons have a beginning and an end. There comes an end to terror, sickness, and disease. There comes an end to misunderstandings, quarrel, poverty, failure, disappointment, corruption, and wickedness. On earth, no condition is permanent. Failure can become a success. A child can grow up 
the sick can be healed, the alcoholic and drug addict can be set free. Make the most of what your God-given opportunities and don't let time slip through your hands. Done? Amen. That's true. The, what I was thinking about, there's a passage in, been talking a lot about people about wisdom and what wisdom is, you know, because we're a group, our whole country is all about knowledge, but we don't have much wisdom. It's amazing to me how we're like a bunch of useful idiots when it comes, we know all this stuff, but we don't know what to do with it when we have it. And so like in the book of Job, it asks in chapter 28, where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? It says man does not comprehend its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says it's not in me. The sea says it's not within me. It can't be bought with the finest gold nor price of its weight in silver. It can't even be bought with the gold from Ophir or with precious onyx or sapphires, gold or crystal. Nor can it be had for jewels or coral. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. And it says, where then does wisdom come from? And where does understanding dwell? Then it goes on to say that it's hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds of the air, so you can't go up in heaven and see it. But here's my favorite one. Destruction and death, okay? So death in the grave, say only a rumor of it has reached our ears. In death and destruction, it says wisdom. In hell in the grave, when asked about wisdom, said only the mention of it, a rumor that there is such a thing, has reached our ears. So it's telling us is that even in death and hell and destruction is because of the lack of wisdom. Yeah. It is only a rumor to them. But the end of that passage, it says that how God has stretched out the earth and the water of the seas and all that stuff. And then he made a decree for the rain to pass for this thunderstorm. And it says, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. So he appraised it, he confirmed it, and he tested it. God did wisdom. And then he said, this is what God said to man. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil, that is understanding. Amen. You know, John 2, 4 says, Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Note, do not get distracted from your assignment. Keep the main thing the main thing. Ruth was faithful in following Naomi, and she met Boaz. David was faithful in doing the mundane things of guarding the sheep and dropping off his brother's lunch, and he ended up fighting Goliath, which changed his life and the nation. Remember, seasons are instituted and determined by God for a purpose. God himself orders times and seasons of our lives. We must be wise to know when God has changed our season and follow his leading. Move with the Holy Spirit. Follow Jesus when he says, come, follow me. Do not be like Lot's wife who resisting the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Lord, and she turned into a pillar of salt. She did not follow the new season. Don? Amen. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I... That, you know, I, I teach people all the time about, you know, we like to say that God, we're called, you know, we're called to do this. And the, I don't think that we realize how much sin, just the, the concept of sin and the original sin or whatever you want to call it, has corrupted God's original purpose for every human life in so many ways. And so, like when the Bible says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, 
And he said, all of the days of a man's life are marked out in the books of God. So here, God says, I already know what I created you for. And what I've called you to do is what I've created you for. Now, when we get called, it doesn't matter where we come from. God doesn't change what he called us to do to fit the corruption of our life. He calls us to do what he called us to do to redeem our life from the corruption of sin. And so people get all freaked out about the boundaries of sin and the guardrails of sin and that protect the life that is in the wisdom of God, but they don't realize that God has set those things there because those things so corrupt our call and the purpose. And if we realize that God has called us, what the Bible says, to do great exploits for God, incredible things in our generation, then we would then not just submit to, but wholeheartedly grasp hold of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and follow him with all of our heart away from everything that could corrupt us. And that is the strategy for victory, is to follow Christ, because only in following Christ will I actually be redeemed to what God created me for in the first place. Well, you're exactly right. And and you said something some minutes ago, you know, generations and, and the remnant looks ahead and Abraham looked ahead, knowing the promises of God for the future. Isaac, Jacob looked ahead. And those in that 400 years of captivity, the remnant that looked ahead and held out hope, called on God, led the people to repent until the deliverer came. So I remember when Adali was literally dying in the hospital and she saw angels coming down and she says, they're coming to take me to heaven now, John. I said, no, don't you understand? We've had prophecies over your life, over MJs. These are not angels to take you to heaven, but to have you victory in this hospital. So this birth happens because she was hemorrhaging and there was five doctors, six nurses in there 36 hours later after the water broke. And it looked impossible, but we understood the seasons and what God had promised for the future season. And I held on to that with great hope and anticipation and intercession. And we had the victory. So people need to hold on to what God has said and look to that and not look at the circumstances. Done? Amen. That's why I think when we get so, where the church overall mostly, you know, we bought into this idea that we are to win converts, but the Great Commission is to make disciples. A convert says, I believe Jesus is my Savior to forgive my sin, and that's the beginning. But a disciple is a disciplined follower of Christ that follows Christ into my future that is in him alone. And that's why when we ask, you know, what are we called to do, what's your purpose, what's your place, whatever, that we need to define that. And then we also need to make space for people to operate in those things in the midst of us of what we're doing Amen. uh, all the time. Because discipleship is what we're called. He said, go make disciples of all nations and then teach them to obey or follow or walk with me in everything that I commanded you. And, lo, I'll be with you at the end of the earth. That is how the church is built is upon being disciples. You know, this winning converts, people coming to church and saying, I believe that Jesus is, you know, my Savior to forgive my sins, like I believe the sun will shine today, will not stand against the gates of hell. Matter of fact, we can have that in the church, and the gates of hell can rule in our church. 
and we can still be, you know, singing Kumbaya around the community campfires, you know, not realizing it actually would burn the kingdom down. <laughs> That's exactly. The reality is, is that <laughs> God wants to raise up, and he's doing it right now, Yeah, raising up this remnant church of disciples that are following him with all of their heart and letting go of the things of this world that we think are so incredibly important that actually have no value to the kingdom at all so that we can take hold of, you know, the commodity, the greatest commodity on the planet is the hearts of human beings. That's the pride, the souls and the hearts of human beings. You know, it's not about who has the biggest building, biggest bank account, or even the most butts in the seat, but it's about who has captured the heart and the souls of men to actually imagine the goodness that God has and the greatness that God will do through you if you'll just give yourself to him. That's exactly right, Don. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Apostle Don Beasley, Dixon, Illinois, Turning Point City Church, wonderful church. And uh, I would advise you, if you live in the area, go and try it out. Don, let's continue next week. There's so much more to say on this. I know before we started this, we also talked about the craziness going on in America Day. And maybe we can touch on some of that next week. My friend, that'll be great. Okay, you have a great day. God bless you all. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow on the Warning Radio Program. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.